0: think blog talk radio <music> Good morning, and welcome to another episode of a Sound Heart Radio, and also uh, the Blessed Hope Community Church. Uh, we want to welcome you uh, and for to our Bible study this morning, and we want to thank God again for another opportunity to share His Word uh, with His saints. Indeed, uh, we live in days wherein we must be diligent students of the word. And uh, by that, I mean not only to study the word of God and to have an intellectual understanding of the word of God, but through faith to allow what we uh, perceive of the word intellectually to uh, be transformed uh, by faith into that which is livable or doable uh, because we, do, we live in times that uh, demand that we are close to God. So with that, uh, let us have a word of prayer and begin our study for this morning. We do th- give you thanks, Heavenly Father, for this opportunity to study your word. We ask to be guided by the Spirit of God, who is the author of the scriptures. And uh, we pray And then before you with thanksgiving for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ who died for us on a Roman gibbet in 33 AD. He was buried and rose again the third day, according to the scriptures, for our justification. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, uh, the title of our study this morning is Qualitative Distinction Between a Confessor and a Professor of the Faith. And so... I want to say that, uh, as John writes in First John, uh, many deceivers have gone out into the cosmos. They went out from us, but they were not of us. So those words are directly from from First John. Uh, John faced what we call the uh, Docetic Gnosticism, and uh, so I'll discuss that a little later. Uh, uh, this morning, but uh, the Gnostics uh, sought to lead uh, believers astray from the faith by teaching a another gospel, a heteros gospel, uh, and there is no other gospel. There is only one gospel message. There is only one good news message. And so Uh, The false teachers of the first century were diligent about seeking to uh, create disunity, seeking to uh, create uh, problems in the lives of believers. They wanted believers to have a a belief in Jesus that was uh, consistent with a cosmic perception of him. And so uh, Gnosticism acknowledged that Jesus was great among the hierarchy of angels. And in uh, his letter to the Colossians, Paul dealt with uh, the worship of angels, which was a part of Gnosticism. So uh, which was a form of first-century mysticism. And so uh, Paul uh, had to face this uh, issue, too, with the believers at Colossae. John, and First John, deals with this, uh, the same teaching, the same per- persistent teaching. So between the Judaizers, uh, who wanted believers to follow Judaism and also the gospel and the Gnostics who wanted uh, believers to follow Gnostic mysticism. uh, These twin realities created real challenges for the church of the first century. And so that's why I wanted to speak about the qualitative distinction between a confessor and a professor of the faith talks about the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And Jude writes that we're to strive earnestly uh, for that faith. Now uh, there are a few words uh, that I want to go through uh, as an introduction to what we're going to be discussing in First John. But uh, let me say that uh, at the beginning, a a godly character does not develop in darkness. And I want to talk about that word, darkness. So, well, what is the distinction, the qualitative distinction between a confessor and a professor of faith? Well, I knew someone a long time ago who worked at a bank in San Francisco. And he said that when they trained people to... Uh, spot fake bills, uh, they taught them uh, how to handle uh, the real bills and to understand the distinctive uh, qualities of the, that which was real. And so that was their focus so that uh, these persons, as they learn to understand the real, then they could spot the fraud they could uh, spot the counterfeit. It's the same principle that John uses. Now, our Lord himself said, uh, by their fruits you shall know them. By their fruits you shall know them. And so that is a primary tenet of our belief. Uh, What people do reveals their character. So it's a very profound teaching. By their fruit, you uh, you shall know them. And so John uh, has an extended exposition of that very teaching in First John, uh, in five chapters. He his focus is on believers and uh, how. Uh, who believers are, and with uh, within the cosmos, within the cosmic system. So John begins uh, his exposition about what Godly character is, and what are what is a what is the qualitative distinction of a confessor of faith. Uh, He begins at the beginning. He begins with the person of Jesus himself. Now, uh, one who confesses the faith is one who agrees with God as to who and what he is. A confessor of the faith is one who agrees with God as to who and what he is. A professor, on the other hand, a professor of the faith is one who uh, has the, uh, the the false or the mass the false identity of a believer and uh, he or she uh, knows all the appropriate terminology the appropriate rituals the right things to say how to smile etc uh, but the content is lacking the content is not there so uh, we begin at the beginning with uh, in chapter 1 of 1st John he which reads quote that which was from the beginning or out from the beginning which we have heard and the Greek emphasis is that which we uh, have heard with the result that is still ringing in our ears uh, which we have seen with our eyes. In Luke, Luke's gospel, Luke uh, says uh, he uses a, a, since he is a physician, he uses a medical term that has been transliterated as autopsy. And so uh, Luke uses that word uh, about his writing. Uh, or his gospel, and his gospel account of the life of Jesus. So, uh, which we have seen with our eyes. Uh, And so there is that that optical, uh, empirical uh, assertion of verification as to who Jesus is. Now, Jesus had... Uh, he he spent uh, uh, many days during a, during his post resurrection ministry with the disciples forty days uh, so they could know that he was not a mere apparition he was not uh, a, a spirit but he was flesh and bone and note it and note uh, that Jesus said this of himself. So the disciples they saw him eat. They saw his bodily presence. So they, they could see that he was not a mere apparition. It is very, very important that uh, we have uh, this information about the post-resurrection uh, ministry of Jesus, which we have looked at and are noticed and our hands have touched. Uh, The Old King James Version reads, and our hands have handled with a view to investigating. Our hands have handled with a view to investigating. And so uh, John wraps up the empirical understanding uh, as to uh, the person of Jesus on their part. They knew he was real. They believed in the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now, in, in the Revelation, John uh, writes that the, the the wounds of the, uh, the passion and the crucifixion were, were still present in the resurrection body of Jesus. Those wounds are present for all eternity. Those wounds uh, Jesus received on our behalf. He died for us. He died for our sin, not for his own. He is impeccable. He is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Okay, and then he goes on. This we proclaim Concerning the word of life. The life appeared, and we have seen and testified to to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. So, this is uh, the Ewangelion. This is the good news. This is the gospel. And so John begins uh, his message to these believers with the euangelia, the proclamation. Now, the proclamation or the publishing of the finished work of Christ through the apostles was not uh, uh, done merely in speech. Proclamation is to be manifest in our lives. Proclamation was not an heiress or a one-time event. Proclamation is moment by moment in our lives. Proclamation is daily. Proclamation is is seen visible through our prayer. Proclamation of the resurrection event is, is proclaimed through our prayers. So we Proclaimed. There is a constancy. There, it is a constant, not a mere a one-time event that happened in the past. And so that is a, a distinctive quality of a confessor. He or she stands, that proclamation is, uh, is a constant in their lives because of the finished work of Christ on their behalf. On the other hand, a professor, uh, the life of a professor does not proclaim the evangelion or the gospel. It cannot. It is a mere, uh, merely religious life, a religious facade with, uh, that does not uh, manifest the fruit of the spirit. The fruit of the Spirit within the life of the born-again believer is a manifestation of the character of Christ. The believer is, the believer is born anew. He or she is born again. John, will, uh, John writes in 1 John that the one who is born again cannot practice sin because the sperma of God remains within. And so we have this very powerful language uh, proclaimed by John as to who and what a believer is, a confessor of the person of Christ. So he goes on, verse 3 of chapter 1, we proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard. The language is very important because of the Gnostics uh, and their mysticism. Uh, One tenet of Gnosticism said that uh, uh, the spirit uh, of Christ left uh, when he died on the cross. He abandoned the physical person uh, of our Lord. And this is what they proclaimed. This was proclaimed by a a Gnostic, a false teacher, a philosopher. That's not what the scripture teaches. That is not uh, what Hebrew theology teaches. Hebrew theology teaches the the unity of soul and spirit. Hebrew theology is not like Greek uh, philosophy. Which says, which teaches body and soul. In Hebrew thinking, uh, the individual understood himself as, as a unitary being. Body, soul. Not body and soul. There was not that distinction. That was, that is Greek thinking. And later on it sneaked into Western theology. But that is not Hebraic thinking. And so uh, when uh, the Gnostics did not read uh, the gospel documents closely because Jesus voluntarily surrendered his spirit, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend, I commend my spirit. And then he died. Jesus shouted, it is finished. And so, that that the, the awfulness, the treachery, the deceit, the disgusting betrayal that that humans uh, tried uh, attempted to do uh, upon the person of Jesus, Jesus uh, said as he hung on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, even at the point. Of, of nailing him to the cross was not enough. They attempted to uh, humiliate him further by saying, "Well, he did this for others. Uh, why can't he come down from the cross? Why can't he do this?" <clears throat> and so Luke uses a word uh, in the Greek about how uh, these those who believed they had defeated Jesus were dancing around the cross like little children. This was their victory, but their victory was temporal. Their victory did not last. And the same uh, uh, individuals who danced before the cross believing that they had defeated Jesus were later, they confab or ha- held a confabulation where they said, go and make the sepulchre the sepulchre sure because that deceiver said. Notice the language they used of Jesus. That deceiver said. Now you must understand the psychopathology of psychopaths and understand the projection that deceiver. And notice they took away his humanity. And when they uh decided that they were going to destroy jesus they dis, uh all along he challenged them, but then he did they dismissed his humanity in in full after the the resuscitation of Lazarus and so that deceiver and remember uh what ha- what saul said to samuel uh when he was caught in his sin he said your God They used uh, The prof- uh, Professors used Distancing language And the Pharisees Were uh, the, the religious Ones They were the religious conservatives The Sadducees were The religious rationalists Or the liberals they, The Sadducees did not believe in resurrection Whereas the Pharisees Did The Pharisees had a very twisted and distorted view of Scripture because they didn't teach the Word of God. They taught uh, the teachings of the rabbis. So it is important that John lays out for the believing community uh, the distinctives which show who and what they are within the cosmos. Okay, so uh, we proclaim to you that which we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship, that is, joint things in common, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Now, this is a very important term, our joy. Uh, Real believers Real confessors have joy And their joy Is independent of circumstances Whereas a professor Will look and focus Only upon the circumstances Of what is going on Professors Now I'm not going to focus on Carnal believers today Because carnal believers Live like they're not Saved Remember the clinical study of Lot. And uh, Peter will talk about his righteous soul being vexed by the filthy conversation of the wicked daily. But Lot brought his family into this place where the, these people were completely carnal uh, to such an extent that in the Hebrew where the scripture reads, uh, "the men of Sodom." Now, the men of Sodom. It is in the Hebrew. It is the Enosh, and it means the incurable ones. The incurable ones. The Enosh. Very important uh, word to uh, remember. Now, uh, so. Our fellowship, our joint things, uh, we have joint things in common with God. Now, let me – I want to stop right here because I want to talk about this idea of a sin nature and uh, in, the, in the believer. Uh, believers have sin nature and the Holy Spirit is also in their hearts. Uh, neither Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John – Neither in the thirteen writings of Paul, uh, neither John in the Gospel of John, First, Second, and Third John, in Revelation, neither Jude, neither of uh, none of the New Testament writers talk about a sin nature. Paul does an extended exposition of the flesh in the Book of Romans, but he never talks about a sin nature that remains within the life of the believer. Now, remember, John will write that the sperma of God remains within the believer. So, and remember, in uh, Galatians 5, uh, Paul talks about the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. He does not say sin Nature Does not use that language That language is never Found in the New Testament So uh, There's an old theology That wants people to believe that The Holy Spirit indwells The heart of a believer And it is coextensive With the presence of a sin Nature That is not what the scripture teaches at all Teaches at all John will write in First John, uh, let me go on, verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. So, now, we uh, we go back, God is false. Theos is false. God is light. And, uh, he is The one who illuminates Or has illuminated our minds God has illuminated our hearts That is He's allowed light To go into our hearts So that we might receive The gospel of Jesus Christ It was It was God's It was grace God through his grace Allowed us what To receive The wonderful knowledge Of the person of Jesus Christ it is a very distinct, uh, distinctive message. Evangelion is uh, is the message of life. Notice uh, the correlation: life and light, life and light. John will speak of darkness, and remember that a godly character does not develop in darkness. Now. So the sperma of God remains within the heart of the believer. And so the believer, uh, that seed remains, and so the believer is to grow up. John will write in, in, third, in uh, first John that, beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. You and I, if we are born again, and and I'm not talking about carnal believers, but Jesus is our focus. And God provides us his own joy. We have, an e- we have eternal joy. I'm not talking about peace, but we have joy. And the cosmos does not want us to have joy. The cosmos wants us to be enslaved to its values. That's why everything in the cosmos appeals to the flesh of the eye pride of life, and uh, are not of the Father, but are what? Of the cosmos, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the insatiable, incurable, desires of the flesh, which makes uh, the individual's life to spiral down and out of control. This is not a God. So, the, uh, the professor says that he has a relationship with God. Or, the professor says, I love God. And, miss Theo and hates his brother. And so, there uh, And so John says uh, the believer loves his brother. The believer understands that that he cannot say, well, I love God and, and I hate my brother. Adelphos, one of the same womb is the word for brother in the word of God. The reason why I love the word of God is that it is a single fabric, and when I listen to people talk, and I and I listen very carefully because I want to hear uh, if there's a reality of Christ there, and I can tell there's a, there's a, a melody, there's a this, this this quiet uh, melody. There's this distinctive attitude uh, that comes from the voice, even from believers who are engaged in the harrowing rescue uh, of, of of children who have been and, and women who have been uh, sold into slavery and who go in to rescue these people. They don't have a lot of money. They don't make a lot of money. They don't do this for the money. They do this for the love of God. And it's the type of ministry that we don't hear a lot about in churches because that's not the focus. The the But the age of feel good, uh, give me a feel good sermon, uh Pastor K, Pastor uh, T, that stuff is gone because it was just superficial. The feel good stuff is gone. It is what? Let's get believers grounded in the faith. Once we're all given to the saints. Let's get them grounded. Let's get them built up. Because now, uh, People are beginning to say we're in a a global mental health crisis. Oh, really? Things are being taken away, and these people say, well, look, we're going to take away your food, your water, your gas, your job, your house. Uh, We're going to take it all away from you so that you will be completely dependent upon us for everything you have. Now things are different. Now there's an urgency. Well, and it, it's, it's really sad because uh, people don't understand that, uh, that God is there. But there's an urgency on, uh, on, on behalf of others who, well, let me hear what God has to say. And I listen to the stuff that people are teaching. Well, we're in the tribulation period. Well, uh, these, these vaccines are the mark of the uh, beast. Yes, these, gra- these uh, vaccines have gra- graphene oxide. And they act as uh, microscopic, tiny, these tiny razor blades that destroy uh, the heart. That create ghastly uh, problems. But the cardiovascular system, that's real. Along with that, uh, there are 5Gs. There's the 5Gs. 5G is not for your phone. 5G is a weapon. It's a weapon system. But it's given to people or marketed to people as something, what? To improve uh, their phone service. Paul wrote, test everything test everything. And in the Greek, it means what? Test everything. So, this is a message. Just verse 5. We've heard from him and declare to you God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So, the word here for darkness is skotia, and this word means the consequences of sin, uh, which carries the idea uh, the associated idea of unhappiness or, or ruin. In him is no darkness at all. The major characteristic of the cosmos is darkness. This is a dark, brutal world. So, there's no scotia in God. John begins by saying, in verse 5, God is light. God is light. And then, after the semicolon, he he states, in him, within the sphere of him. There is absolutely no darkness at all. Claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in darkness darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. So notice the language, walk in darkness. That is, order one's step or order one's steps in, in darkness or in scotia. Remember, scotia means uh, the consequences of sin. It means unhappiness and ruin. Now you may see people who say, well, I make $10,000 a day. Well, I make this much money. Or I have this really fancy sports car. I have this really nice mansion. And I have this really beautiful girlfriend. And so these are the images that are marketed to you, that these people have it all. They have no worries in life. And because they have these, uh, these symbols of success, where their lives are better than yours. That is what is marketed. But if you were to talk to their therapists, if you were to see them at some meeting where individuals gather who have maybe a problem with certain drugs or certain uh, chemicals they ingest, you would see something very different. You would see the other side. Of that life, or they're heavily involved uh, in pornography, and pornog- this pornography has led them down into this this spiraling uh, web of of deceit, and uh, they have they have ruined their souls. Well, I want that, and I'm going to pursue that. Uh, you don't want that. Okay? But what draws us uh, and, and people to that stuff is, is, is the lust, is, is the starts, is the flesh. It's the flesh that that uh, moves people to ruin. And so the Holy Spirit, uh, in the book of Romans, Paul tells us we are not to allow our members uh, to become hoplites that means uh, weapons of war against us okay and i I've, there are people who bristle at this teaching, like one woman told me though she said well I don't believe that 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 the body has sin or that that sin is uh and I understood her language and what she was trying to say, but, but see, there, there, the Word of God teaches the truth. And if people are not ready for the truth, their defenses are triggered when they hear uh, a truth that contradicts their uh, self-importance, when they hear a truth that uh, falls upon their arrogance and they don't want to hear it, I don't want to hear it, I don't want to do it, or a truth that uh, that offends some religious sensibility because the word of God will come in and the word of God will crush things. You should read the book of Amos and uh the the false teacher, the false prophet uh, went before the king and said, hey, uh, the words of Amos, you know, are, are crushing uh, the country. And the false teacher uses a word that means the cubic capacity of a vessel or a ship. Because the word of God will do that because... <laughs> The word of God has now got to compromise with sin. Professors want God to, God's word. Uh, they said, we'll take this much, but we won't take this, because they want to continue in their lust patterns. Believe me, I've counseled some very interesting people, and when it, most of the times it came down to sexual sin. They wanted to stay in their pornography. They want to stay in their affairs. They want to stay in all this carnal stuff because they wanted uh, the pleasures of sexual sin. And so they reject the counsel of God. And therefore, they are sinning against the light. They are sinning knowingly against the word of God. They are not sinning in ignorance. They are sinning knowingly. And uh because they sin knowingly, like this guy, a Robbie Zacharias, <clears throat> uh and his that guy people found out about what this what this guy was into. He and the seduction and messing around with women and paying off people to be quiet in his so called ministry and then you know All this stuff is revealed after this guy died. Now, when David sinned with Bathsheba, God said, uh, the sword is never going to depart from your house. And God told David, and we know that David was a man after God's own heart. And notice what God did to the house of, of David because of sin. People believe they're going to get away with sin it's the flesh. It's the deception of the flesh. And sometimes I watch in horror, and sometimes, other times I watch in disbelief at the magnitude of the unbridled arrogance of people who believe, I'm going to get away with my sin. Well, there are pleasures in sin for a season. But just think of the guilt you're going to carry Even after you go, oh, Lord, I confess my sin, oh, Lord, I'll I'll never do that again. And and most of the time, that's a lie. But who wants to carry that guilt? Who wants to have a a conscience uh, with all that stuff, the lie and and the the deceitfulness and the self-deceit? Who wants to live like that? A confessor knows the grace of God. A confessor goes before God with the understanding that uh, when I sin, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse me because sin leaves a wound to cleanse me with the blood of Christ from all unrighteousness. And so, From sins of commission, sins of omission, sins of ignorance, the Holy Spirit will cleanse us and uh, clean us up so that we can go on. And Paul writes that we might reign in life as kings. Don't you want to reign in life? Don't you want to have a life that's wonderful and that's filled with fruit, the fruit of the Spirit and, and, and wonderful victories? You can have that through the Spirit of God. Go before your God, confess to him what is going on with you right now, and God will bless you, and you will walk in newness of life. You will walk in his peace. You will walk in God's prosperity if you trust with what is going on in your life right now. It is my prayer that you will understand this about God's character, and you will seek him out while he may be found. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and God bless you.